Trekkies. Welcome back to another episode of Yelling About Star Trek. My name is Chris Fox, and I yell about all things Star Trek at you for your pleasure, so I'm not yelling at my friends and family. Today, I want to talk about some of the sillier things about Star Trek that, when you think about it, really don't make a whole lot of sense. So, get out of your space pajamas, put on your shiniest pair of boots, get a cup of coffee, get a cup of tea, or maybe some iced tea if you're like Captain Archer, and strap in because things are going to get nerdy. Now, being a lifelong fan and having watched every episode multiple times, probably hundreds of times by now, well, hopefully not each episode, but a lot, I've kind of noticed that there were maybe five things that when I think about it go, oof. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Why did you guys do that? And in some cases, it might be that the directors or writers or whoever was creating it didn't think about it, or there might be some reasons production-wise that they had to do what they did. So the first thing that immediately comes to mind is the case where a single button does an overly specific thing. Now, there's a couple of examples I want to draw on. The first instance that I can think of where this actually happens is in the original series, second season, the episode called The Changeling. Now, in case you haven't seen that in a long time, that's the episode where they encounter Nomad, who was an alien probe, who really doesn't like biological units because he considers them to be imperfect. And so his whole stick is that he wants to basically destroy any life form that he believes is imperfect. And in that episode, there's a scene where he's, you know, scanning Uhura, trying to understand what music is. Scott freaks out, tries to approach him, and then in self-defense, Nomad zaps him and then kills Scotty, and Scotty is dead. Now, fortunately, because Nomad is super sophisticated, he's able to bring Scotty back to life. But he does tell McCoy that he can do it. He'll just need information about Scott's biology. So Dr. McCoy looks to Spock and says, Hey, Spock, can you pull up all of Scotty's medical records? He'll need the psychological test, his blood work, and just all the other necessary information that you would imagine would be helpful for Nomad. So Spock complies, goes over to his little science station, pops in a tape into the, the computer, and then hits two buttons and then takes the tape out and hands it to McCoy, and then McCoy goes off, and, you know, the rest of the episode's history, everybody knows, Scotty's saved, Kirk destroys Nomad, and everybody's happy. But that scene has always bothered me, because I can guarantee you, as someone who knows nothing about how that ship works in real life, again, talking about a completely fictional show, but I am willing to bet all my money and everything that I have in my life that there is no way that those two buttons on the console were for Scott's medical records. And I keep wanting to say Spock because whenever I talk about Spock and Scott, I get very confused. So just bear with me when I when I do that. But I can tell you there's no way that those two buttons on his console were specifically for Scott's medical records. It just doesn't make any sense. Now, I get it. It's a fictional show. The creators and the producers and production design, they can't make a console that looks realistic and that actually would do all the things that we needed to do because it's TV and it's a set. It's not real. But in an easy way, they could have solved that problem is just by having Spock ask the computer to do it. Just say, computer, please download all of Mr. Scott's medical records into the tape. Uh, thank you very much. And then the computer would have gone affirmative, working, completed, and 
side note, the original computer voice just used to terrify me as a kid. It still kind of gives me the creeps, but that's not the point. But the point is, he could have asked the computer to do that, and it would have been super easy. The production could have done it. It's not a problem, and it would have made sense because, well, he's asking the computer, and the computer can obviously go into the appropriate data bank to get that information. But instead, he just presses two buttons that really mean nothing, and there's no way those two buttons could have actually done what they were supposed to because that was not the intention of that specific uh, unit. So it just doesn't make sense. And yes, I'm yelling about this because it's frustrating, and I realize this is ridiculous because it's a TV show, but ladies and gentlemen, this is what I want to do. Now, the next example that I could think of that just really gets me agitated every time I see it is the DS9 fifth season episode, The Assignment. And in case you haven't seen that in a long time, that's the one where Keiko O'Brien gets possessed by the Paw Wraith and then forces Chief O'Brien to go about doing some crazy dastardly stuff in order to save his wife's life. So that episode itself is pretty dark, but there is some lighthearted stuff that happens with Rom, where Rom actually helps O'Brien save the day. But there's a scene specifically where Rom is having breakfast, and he's at Cork's bar, and he says to Cork, hey, you know, I'm not going to have my usual breakfast. I'm going to have some human food. Can you give me some pancakes and some bacon and maple syrup? And Cork looks disgusted, but he complies. So Cork goes over to the replicator and hits three buttons. One at the top, one at the bottom, and then goes back to the top. And again, that bothers me because I am willing to bet you everything that I own that those three buttons were not the pancakes and maple syrup button, okay? There's no way that replicator had that specific button that would create that specific meal. And it's frustrating. And what bothers me about this is that there's no reason for that to have happened because anytime we see a replicator in Star Trek, you have the character say to the replicator what they want to eat and then the replicator makes it. So I don't know why they couldn't have had Quark say uh, two pancakes with bacon, please, or or something along those lines. It just it doesn't make any sense because that's how everybody does it. So I don't know why they, they didn't have him do it just because what they ended up doing, it just it doesn't make any sense in terms of how it would actually work in real life. Like if someone says to you, can you give me the lifespan of a walrus? You can't go onto a computer, hit one button on a keyboard and get that specific information. You have to type it in or you have to ask it verbally if you have a computer that has voice recognition and if you have all that set up, which is complicated. But the point is you can't just hit the space bar and have all that information just pop up. No, there's a bunch of stuff you have to do to get that information. So in the real world, it doesn't work, which means in Star Trek, it certainly wouldn't work either. Again, I know it's silly. It's a stupid thing to talk about, but it just, it frustrates me every time I see that in in Star Trek and it takes me out of whatever episode I'm watching. And granted, that's not the only example and there's other cases. And yes, buttons in Star Trek have always kind of been unrealistic in the sense that you know, characters are constantly hitting the same buttons and different things are happening. And again, that's because, well, production and, you know, you can't really create a totally 100% working vessel from the future because it's a TV show. And uh, with TOS, I kind of gotten over with, like, that's just something I'll just never fully understand. And it's not a big deal because it was the 60s is what they had. But in... Um, in the TNG era stuff, I can kind of imagine, well, you know, they're looking at screens 
And we can see where the screens are, so they're probably hitting menus, and they're probably hitting one button that leads to a menu, which then can change the function of the other buttons or something. So I feel like that's a bit more realistic. But when you get to the one button that does a super specific thing that's not just a regular command like fire, then, then that's when I lose it. And calming myself down, let's talk about the second thing that doesn't make any sense. Now, this second thing that doesn't make any sense is something that I love and absolutely love watching every time it happens, and that is the exploding console. Exploding consoles are fantastic. I love watching them, and it's one of those things where I love trying to find exploding consoles montages on YouTube because I think it's funny, even though people are actually dying, which is kind of mean to laugh at, but it's a TV show. But not because they're dying, but just because of how ridiculous it is. It doesn't really make any sense why consoles explode when a ship is being fired on like there's no reason like our consoles connected to something that then gets triggered by the torpedoes or by phaser fire or whatever is hitting the ship and I, and I realize that's not really a scientific way of saying what i'm saying but i just can't see why the consoles themselves are connected to something that when hit, it would blow up in their face. It, it's not realistic. You don't hear, oh, two astronauts died on the, the most recent space mission because, well, their control panel blew up in their face. No, they died for other reasons, not because of the control panel blowing up in their face. And granted, these astronauts are not being attacked by aliens, but still, it doesn't seem like that would happen. And I get it in the real world, they were kind of in a tricky situation, and I say they as in like the producers and production designers were like, okay, we have a show set in space. We're on a spaceship. We want to show that the ship is being damaged by people that are attacking the ship, but we don't have the budget to really show serious damage because we've got to repair it all for the next week, and we just don't have the resources to make it look realistic. So what do we do? Ah, why don't we just have sparks come out of the console because that's kind of cheap. It's not going to totally damage everything. We can, you know, easily repair the damage so that we can shoot our next shot if it even damages at all. So that makes sense. It's, it, it's, it's doable. It's affordable, you know, and it will sell the drama of, oh my gosh, we're under attack. What do we do? We're going to die. Oh my God. Ah, raise shields. Ooh, scary. You know, so yeah, it makes sense from the production design in the sense that that's what they had. That's all they could really do. And I get it. But in terms of the actual Star Trek universe, it, it just seems like it's a weird thing. And if there is some scientific reason why that happens, it seems like that would be a pretty big design flaw. Like maybe you should uh, figure out why your consoles are exploding in the first place and maybe try to prevent that from happening so you don't lose all the people that that are on the ship and granted this also does actually help with plot points like in voyager <laughs> they were just like all right we we want to keep captain janeway but we want to bring all these new people in that aren't part of the crew so how do we have that seem logical oh i got it we're just gonna have them get exploded by their consoles and then they'll die that way and then we can just take them out of the show and bring in the new people to fill those roles no problem Except for the whole first officer running when he should have been bracing for impact thing. It makes sense. But again, that's a whole other issue. I've been ranting about that. It's a TV show. It doesn't really matter a whole lot. So on that note, let's talk about the third thing that really doesn't make any sense. Now, the third thing I want to talk about 
in Star Trek that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense is the tricorder. The tricorder itself is iconic. Everybody kind of recognizes it. And other sci-fi shows have kind of used similar devices to scan. And in the show, the function is pretty cool because it gives you information that you need that can usually help progress the plot and give characters information that they need to come up with whatever solution they're going to need to save the day. So that part's really cool. And I do buy that within the show that it actually works and does everything it's supposed to because it's Star Trek, the future. But what doesn't make sense about the tricorder is the fact that when characters open it up, they instantly get all the information that they need. You don't see them going, uh, I don't need the height, I need the actual composition of this object. One would assume that they'd have to like go through different menus to change the functionality so that it's scanning something different and giving the relevant information. But I do realize that there are real-world limitations. You can't spend two minutes of a character going through menus trying to get the right functionality when you only have a five-minute scene, and in that scene you need to convey some really important information so that the audience understands what's going on and that the characters can then use that information to save the day. So I get it. I understand. But it's just something that's like, ah, that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense how... Uh, you can just open up a tricorder and instantly get the information that you're looking for. And the fourth thing that I want to talk about that I really don't think makes a whole lot of sense is the fact that all races basically look humanoid with the exception of their foreheads. Like that's probably one of the things that people make fun of the most about Star Trek is the fact that you have all these different aliens, but yet everybody looks the same except for maybe the bumpy forehead. And that's their only distinguishing feature. And within Star Trek, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense because one would assume that they would be encountering aliens who look quite different, but not just basically a bunch of white guys with with makeup on their forehead. So that's always a bit silly to me. Now, I do want to give TNG some credit because I did try to explain that in the episode The Race that, in fact, there was a, a super advanced race that existed a long time ago like millions and millions of years ago that somehow spread their DNA throughout the universe. And that's why a lot of the different races look humanoid was because of that. So, I mean, okay, I buy that explanation. It's interesting. I'm glad they tried to explain it, but I don't know. It doesn't fully make sense. But again, I mean, I do understand why they had to do it because while there's real world budget limitations, when you're doing a 24 episode season, across different shows, you're definitely not going to have the same money that, say, something like Star Wars has for one movie. So you can't really experiment with the makeup as much. And two, also with the storytelling, a lot of the stories are, okay, we have to establish that these are aliens, but we really have to be able to communicate with them easily and have the audience understand exactly what's going on so we can get in, tell our story, and then get out. So I do understand the reasons in real life why they had to do that. Uh, because of the budget and limitations and all that stuff. I get it. It's just something that I wish had been done a little bit better. Now, the last thing I want to talk about that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me in Star Trek is something that's not really a huge issue and something that's really not talked about, but something that I thought about on and off and that I always wonder, and that is... When you're dealing with a situation where there's a first officer and a captain, how does the first officer know exactly what orders the captain wants the first officer to give? For example, there's a lot of episodes where Captain Picard will say, oh, we've got to get out of here, or we've got to do this thing, or we've got to do that thing. And then Riker will go, all right, uh, Mr. Crusher, take us out of here at warp six 
and then fire off torpedoes. It's like, well, how does Riker know that that's specifically what Captain Picard wanted to do? There's another instance that is kind of fresh on my mind, uh, and I talked about the whole torpedo situation in a podcast a couple of weeks ago. There is a specific scene that's kind of fresh in my mind that I think really illustrates this, and that is the scene that I talked about a couple of weeks ago where... Captain Janeway explains to Chakotay and to the audience that they only have 38 torpedoes and they can't replace them. Chakotay says, Captain, we have 38 torpedoes at our disposal. And then Janeway says, yes, but we don't have any way to replace them. And so Chakotay, after hearing that, gives the order to prepare a photon. And then Captain Janeway goes, fire. But at no point did Janeway say, yeah, we can't replace them, but you know what, you're right, let's use it. So what's confusing about that is that she reacted by saying fire, as if she knew that Chakotay knew that she was thinking, yeah, you know what, you're right, let's use a torpedo anyways. It's confusing. And as I said, that's something that seems to happen all the time in Star Trek, where uh, the captain will give an order or will say we need to do something, and then the first officer will then follow up with that by giving a set of specific orders that... The captain seems to think is the right thing, but never really said to the first officer. So I just, I don't know how that happens. And I like to imagine that when Riker's in Picard's ready room, Picard will say, all right, when we go onto the bridge, I'm going to say, get us out of here. And then you're going to say, warp six, and then also ask uh, Worf to fire some torpedoes. Okay. So that's what I imagine happens behind closed doors, because I, I just, I don't know how that works. Again, not a huge issue. Not something that's critical, but just something that I've always thought, ah, that's interesting. How, do, how does that work? But what do you think? Are there some other things that don't make a lot of sense about Star Trek that really irritate you that you wish I talked about? If there are, then uh, shoot me an email. Let me know. I'd love to hear. Also, I'd love to hear your feedback. Are you liking the show? Are there some things you wish I'd improve? Maybe some topics you wish I'd cover? Uh, just let me know, good or bad, because honestly, I want the feedback because my goal is to make a show that you really enjoy listening to. And on that note, in the paraphrased words of Captain Kirk, see you out there. That away. <laughs>